Welcome. My name's uh, Chris. I'm the pastor here at Redeemer. So glad you, got, you guys are here with us. I know, again, lots of family and friends are here for the baptisms and, and guests, and uh, glad you would uh, make the choice to come and, and join us today. Uh, hope you feel welcomed, and uh, if you're in the area, that you'll come back and, uh, and hang with us some more. Uh, we've been uh, journeying through uh, the Song of Solomon. Uh, if you've been around, we're, we're going to take a break today. We'll resume that, actually finish it up next Sunday, so be sure to come back for that. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about baptism today. So baptism Sunday, we thought it'd be a good idea to actually talk about what, it, what are we doing here? What do we believe about this? What does this mean? What's the significance of it? And, and when we, whenever we planted Redeemer, uh, if you don't know the story, this church is just a little over two years old. We, we launched publicly September 2012, right? And when we planted this church, uh, we weren't like just looking for like, let's get some people together to hang out on Sundays. Um, although we're glad you're here and we like hanging out with you on Sundays. But that wasn't the point, right? We planted this church because we felt God calling us to join in his mission of making disciples, right? Of engaging in the mission that he's called us to, to take the gospel to the city that we live in, to the people that we live around, to share the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ. And to see that good news transform hearts, transform lives, renew this city, right? Redeem the city. And we want to be a small part of that. We're not the only church here. There's lots of churches that are part of that mission. We want to be a small part of that. We want to join in and see God do work through us, to, to do his work through us. And we want to be a part of that. That's, that's why you plan a church. That's the whole point, is to see lives transformed, see lives redeemed, see people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And we say we want to be a gospel-centered community on mission. That's what we want to be, a church that's engaging the city of Bloomington with the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection that saves sinners like you and me when we put our trust in him, right? That's what we want to be about. We want to be a church that's that's constantly equipping people and sending people, equipping us, the people of God, to do the ministry of God, to join in the mission of God. That's That's a job for every Christian. Every Christian is called to be an ambassador of the gospel. And so we want to be a church that's constantly equipping and sending people, not always sending them away, although we're in a college town, so we're used to that. We send people out, and we send them ready to lead, ready to serve, ready to join in with other churches and other places. But but also with those who are here and will stick around here for some time to be sending them to the city, sending them to their neighborhood, sending them to their workplace, to their class, to wherever they're at, even into their own homes to share the grace of Jesus with others. And Baptism Sunday is a celebration that this is happening. Right? It's a celebration that, that God is at work, that Jesus is redeeming people's lives, that, that he is transforming lives. That's what Baptism Sunday is, a, is about. Right? We, we get to see, we get to hear stories that, that this is happening. Right? That, that Jesus is alive, that he is at work, that it is good news. And it's good news that it's not good advice, but it's good news that transforms lives. And we get to hear about that today, right? You missed an opportunity to like clap and celebrate that right there. Uh, we're going to have to work on this. We need some more equipping. But that's something we should get excited about, right? Nine baptisms. Nine baptisms. That's exciting. All right. That was, that was a good effort to make up for it there, but I don't know. You're, you're getting there. You're getting there. All right. Uh, and, and not that, that we have arrived in it. This isn't a celebration of Redeemer. 
Okay, this isn't a celebration of this church. This isn't a celebration of uh, the leaders or pastors or the people here. It's not a celebration of that. It's a celebration of Jesus. Because we haven't arrived in this. We're constantly growing. We're constantly repenting and learning and, and, and trying to follow Jesus in this. But he's the one who does the work. Right? Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one who transforms. So we want to celebrate what he's doing. He's good. He's faithful. He's true. He is at work in our city, right? He's at work in this room, in the lives of people that, that we know, right? And that's, that's good. That's worth celebrating today. We get to witness that. We get to hear about it. We get to celebrate. And, and baptism, right? If you, if you don't know, it's one of two symbols that Jesus gives the church, right? One of two symbols that he gives the church, the other being the Lord's Supper, right? These two symbols, both of them image the gospel, Both of them kind of tell a story of the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Baptism serves as a symbol of of our conversion, of kind of our initiation into the faith, if you will, right? Our coming to faith in Christ, our being redeemed, being saved in him. It kind of tells that story, kind of symbolizes that that story for us. um, and, And our kind of being united with Christ and being united with his body, the church, it's symbolic of that initial response to follow Jesus. While the, the Lord's Supper kind of serves as a symbol for our continuing discipleship, our continuing following of Christ and renewing that covenant week after week that, yes, we've been redeemed and we are continuing to walk with him and renew that covenant to follow after Christ. Baptism is an outward expression, right, of an inward reality, an inward, uh, inward transformation. The Holy Spirit renews our hearts to put our trust in Jesus Christ, to be united with Jesus, to die with him to our sin, to our old self, our previous way of life, and to be raised to walk in newness of life through faith in him through our new union with Christ. That's what we see uh, in our scripture that we're going to read today. Just one verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. You'd stand with me. We're going to hear from God's word. Romans 6, 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, what it represents about what you're doing here. Um, Jesus, how you are at work in our city and how you are at work in in equipping and sending and, and working through us. Holy Spirit, the way that you grip hearts and transform them and mold them and enable them to put our, our hope in, in you, Lord. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for this day to celebrate uh, your goodness, your graciousness, your love for us, your pursuit of us, and, and just to rest in that, to, to acknowledge what you're doing, and, and to join in what you're doing. I pray that this would be a day that, that uh, hits many of us in a lot of different places, Lord. Uh, as we come from different places today. Those of us who've been walking with you for a while, I pray that it would be a reminder of what you've done in our lives, that it would be a, a, an inspiration and a, a, mo- a motivation to join in the work that you're doing, uh, to jump right in with what you're doing. For those of us who don't know you, who are here today, God, I pray that you would you'd open hearts to hear the good news of the gospel, that you love us, that you pursue us, that you rescue us out of sin, out of death, and into life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. 
I'm not going to talk uh, super long today, and that's where some of you will laugh, but um, I really mean it today. We, got, we have nine baptisms. We're going to hear nine testimonies, so I want to make sure we give plenty of time for that because they serve as much better illustrations of what I would give you today anyway. Right? I simply want to give you uh, three things that baptism displays, and, and then we'll kind of get on with the celebration. Uh, but first, I want to be clear about some things that, that baptism is not, right? that the Bible does not say about baptism. Okay, because there's teaching out there. We're in an area where there's some teaching about things that happen in baptism and what baptism means that, that I don't think we see in the scriptures, right? Baptism does not save you. Okay, baptism does not save you. There is nothing magical about this glorious stock tank and that water, Right? Nothing magical, mystical, amazing about this water that's going to transform your life. Right? It came out of that closet. There's a little mop sink in there. It's really glorious. Okay? It's just water. That's all it is. Baptism doesn't save you. It's not essential for salvation. Uh, baptism is not how you become a Christian. It's not where you receive the Holy Spirit and are renewed in faith. It's not that. It's an outward expression uh, of what has already happened inwardly in the life of a believer. Right? You don't get baptized without the Holy Spirit entering your heart and opening you to respond in saving faith in Jesus Christ. You don't get baptized without already being saved in Christ. That, that doesn't happen. And if you're just getting baptized to get saved, to like get you the get out of hell free card, then that's not really what it's about. Right? Jesus demands all of us. He, he wants our whole life. He wants us to surrender ourselves completely to him, to follow him in that. Baptism is an is a outward expression of an inward faith of what's already happened. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That's what saves us. Let me give you a couple examples from the Bible. One Old Testament, one New Testament that illustrate baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is not essential for salvation. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, Abraham, you may have heard of him before, right? Abraham, uh, God makes a covenant with Abraham. Abraham believes and it says it is credited to him as righteousness. He's saved by faith, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, in God alone, right? Credited him as righteousness. He wasn't baptized, wasn't a baptism there, but Abraham is saved by his faith. Right? And in the Gospels, we, we read about the account of Christ on the cross. And we hear of the two thieves. And one of the thieves there kind of confesses Christ. He kind of acknowledges Christ for who he is. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Uh, at no point in there did they climb down off the cross and have a baptism to make sure that this was good. Right? Baptism isn't essential for salvation. Right? It's not essential. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But, but... It is clear from Scripture that baptism is important. It is important. Jesus commands it. He commands it. He tells us in Matthew 28, Great Commission, He says, go and make disciples and do what? Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He commands it. He commands us to be baptized. And as we walk through the New Testament, we see the early church in the book of Acts obedient to that command. As they make disciples, as people respond to the gospel with saving faith, they baptize them, right? It's very important. 
There, there's some variance right throughout history in the church and different uh, denominations and, and branches of the church uh, of mode and timing of baptism, like among many good, solid, Bible-believing Christians, brothers and sisters who we love, good friends, but practice baptism in different ways. And mode and timing, I would really say, in the grand scheme of the universal church, are open-handed issues, right? We shouldn't, like, fight one another over these sorts of things. But as a church, we do have our convictions for what we see in Scripture. So we practice what we call believer's baptism here, right, where, where folks are baptized as they are at an age where they can knowingly have put their faith, responded to the gospel, put their faith in Jesus, and they are able to understand what they are doing to the level of understanding that they have at, at that point in their life. Um, so we don't baptize infants. Uh, we don't baptize small children who aren't able to really kind of grasp the concepts there. Uh, we actually would encourage parents to kind of wait on their kids, to not actually push baptism on their kids and not even really probably bring it up a whole lot until they're like 12. If the kids bring it up before 12 and they're interested in it, then we'll talk. We'll talk about that. But super young kids, it's probably not happening just because the way our cognitive skills are at a young age, we're not really ready to grasp fully what we're doing yet in that. So we'd rather kind of wait uh, on that for kids. But we baptize believers. So we actually, we sit down, we interview them. Like, do you understand what you believe? Right, we have three questions. It's kind of like the walking dead, right? <laughs> three questions. How many walkers did you, sorry. Um, it's Sunday night, you know. Um, no, we have three questions. Like, what's your story? What's your testimony? How'd you come to faith? That's question one, right? Uh, who's Jesus in your life right now? Where's, where's your faith at right now? Why do you want to get baptized? Those three questions. I want, I want to hear, we want to hear from folks that they understand the gospel, that they have actually responded to the gospel, that they are actually believers in Jesus. And so we ask them, and then we baptize them. We, we don't do spontaneous baptisms here, mainly because we don't have our own place. And so uh, it's also easy to have those conversations ahead of time rather than on the spot. And so that's kind of how we practice that. And we baptize them by immersion. It's a mode we see clearly in the scripture, going under the water, being brought back up. So that's why we do what we do here, okay? That said, three things baptism displays. First, baptism displays our union with Christ. So we just read, Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Right? The context of this verse uh, comes to a part of Romans where Paul's kind of, you know, kind of hypothetically asking this question because he's anticipating it. Hey, right? If if we say grace abounds, right, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Man, it's like all you can eat hot dog night at the ball game. I'm going to eat all of them, right? Should I just like go on sinning all all the more because grace is going to abound all the more? So there's more grace the more I sin. So should we just continue like sinning as much as possible? The grace would abound, and he responds to that uh, that question himself. He answers his own question. He says, "Absolutely no, absolutely no." And this is this is his reason. His reason is that because we have, as believers, we have been united with Christ in His death and resurrection. We were united with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection through faith in Jesus. And that union is symbolized, it's displayed in the act of baptism. Right? God created all of us in this room to live in his kingdom under his rule. He invites all of us to do that. But all of us, at one point or another, we're born this way, right? We reject that. We choose our own way. We choose to not, not follow God's way, but to rather go our own path, to be our own God 
to worship other gods, created gods that we kind of make in our own image, if you will. And we sever that connection with God. That connection has been severed since the fall, since Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. That connection with God is severed. The relationship is broken. And our relationships with one another are marred and distorted. Creation itself is not what it's supposed to be. But God, in his mercy, before he ever created a single human being, set in motion a plan to redeem us. By sending his son, right? Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Godhead. One God, three persons, fully and equally God. The second person, Jesus Christ, his son, sent him to live the life we never could. To be born as a man, right? And to live this perfect, sinless life that we never could. Obedient in every part where we disobey. And then willingly lay that life down. And die the death that you and I deserve on the cross for our sins. Paying the penalty in full for our sin. And rising again three days later, right, victorious over Satan, sin, and death, that through faith in Jesus, by grace, we may be saved. That his righteousness might be credited to our account. That we might be made right with God, counted righteous, justified with God. That he might begin this process of renewing us, sanctifying us to become more like Jesus. Through faith in him, all by his grace, all his doing from start to finish. Through faith in Jesus, we are united with Jesus in his death. In that we die to our sin. We die to our old way of living before knowing him. We die to that with him. Now we're united with him in his resurrection. We're also raised to walk in newness of life. We're given a new life to walk in righteousness. His righteousness that clothes us perfectly. We're raised to walk in newness of life. One day we'll be resurrected like he was when he returns and he inaugurates the new heavens and the new earth. We'll be resurrected like he was and we will truly live eternally raised to walk in newness of life. And baptism displays this union, right? Buried with Jesus, right? Going under the water, right? Being buried with Christ, dying to sin, Sharing in his death. Right? Going under the water kind of symbolizes in, in, in a drowning, if you will. And I want to encourage those of you getting baptized today, we're not going to hold you under that long. Okay? Some of you may be longer than others. But not that long, I promise. Okay? But it's, it kind of symbolizes a drowning, a death, if you will. Dying to your old way of life. And then being raised with Jesus to a, a new life as you come up out of the water. There's nothing magical about the water. It symbolizes what he does in your heart. And he begins in your life at the moment of faith. Baptism declares Christ's death and resurrection in the act itself. It preaches the gospel, if you will, in, in the act itself. The one being baptized is making this outward proclamation of what's already happened in their heart. They have been united to Christ in his death and resurrection. That's the first one. Number two, baptism displays our union with the body of Christ. The church and its local expression. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now, Jesus doesn't save us as isolated individuals just to be us and, and God, just to like our own personal eternal quiet time with God. But he saves us into a family. He adopts us into a family. He reconciles us to, to himself and to each other in the church. 
what Paul calls in Ephesians the new humanity, right? The church, these diverse people coming together to become one new family in Christ. And a child, if a child's adopted into a, a large family, right? We, we, ha- we have three kids in our house, right? If we adopt another child into our family, the child's not going to come in and just have a relationship with me as the father. That would be kind of weird, right? But no, it immediately belongs to something much larger than just this me and the father kind of thing. But I belong to this family. I belong to my brothers and sisters every bit as much as I belong to my father, my mother. That's the same thing here with the church. When we come to faith in Jesus, we're adopted into a family. And it's a really, really big family with lots and lots of brothers and sisters. And we belong to those brothers and sisters every bit as much as we belong to God himself reconciled together into this family. Baptism isn't a symbol that's given to Christians as isolated individuals. It's a symbol given to the church. Right? And, and you might want to push back on that at some point, but, but that's what we see in Scripture. It's given to the church that it displays our union with the larger body of Christ as well. It's, it's sort of a covenant, if you will. That the one being baptized is kind of making this covenant with the church, the local expression of the church in which they get baptized in, saying, hey, while I'm here, I need you people, right? I need you to come alongside me, to walk with me, to encourage me, to hold me accountable, to encourage me to walk with the Lord all my days. I need that support. And the, and the church is saying, hey, we're, we're with you and we need you too. And we need you to do the same right back with us. It's this covenant that's that's taking place in that as well. And it serves to display the union with the church and image uh, Jesus and, and join in his mission, to image Jesus and join in his mission together. So it displays our union with Christ. It displays our union with his body. Lastly, baptism also displays our salvation in Christ. Colossians 2, 11 through 14. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses, in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross." In your sin, you're dead. That's what the Bible says. All of us. That's the the spiritual condition of all of us as we enter this world. In our sin, dead. There's There's no heartbeat. Just dead. But God made you alive in Christ. And he rescues you by faith. Right? He makes you alive in Christ through his finished work. It's all his doing from start to finish. Right? God plans it. Jesus executes the work on the cross and he declares from the cross, it is finished. You, sin is defeated. Death is defeated on the cross. And the Spirit applies that work to our hearts. And that enabling us to believe. Jesus took your sin. He killed it with him on the cross. Functionally, your sin, your life, nailed to the cross with Christ. Nailed there with him. That's your sin. 
Right? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That on the cross this great exchange takes place where Christ becomes my sin, he becomes your sin, he dies as that sin. And in exchange he gives us, he clothes us, if you will, with his perfection. His perfect obedience. His righteousness. Right? Jesus made you alive. And he gives you a new identity in him. Through faith in Jesus, you get a new identity. You're not your past. Right? You're not what you did yesterday, today, tomorrow. You're not that. Right? You have a new identity. You have been set free from sin. You have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. You have been rescued. You have been adopted into a family. You are a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. Almighty, holy God. You're his child. That's who you are. Accepted, set free, redeemed in every way. And that is unshakable. Right? Romans 8 says nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can take that from you in, through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? That is secure. That is who you are. And that begins at the moment of faith. Right? That, that's, that's your identity moving forward at the moment of conversion. And your, your baptism displays and proclaims this salvation. It displays and proclaims that. Baptism doesn't save you, but it proclaims to the world what Jesus has done for you. What he has done in your life. He's made you alive in him. He's given you a new identity in him. He's, he's made you alive. He, he's, baptism serves as this reminder as we move forward in faith as sort of a, a marker or a memorial, if you will. Like in the Old Testament, they're, they're constantly, God does something and they make this little memorial or something. That's what baptism sort of is for us. Kind of this marker or memorial to look back on and say, Jesus did a work in my life. And remember my baptism when I publicly proclaimed what he did in my life. Where I was publicly identified with Christ in his church. I can look back on that and be encouraged that that's, Christ says, I'm not what happened today. Right? Christ says, I'm not my sin. I'm not my past. He says, I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. That's who he says I am. It serves as this kind of memorial, if you will, kind of marker to remind us who we are in Christ. Um, as we celebrate today, these, these nine baptisms, right? Nine, that's awesome. With our brothers and sisters, we're going to hear testimonies here in just a moment. They're stories of faith. Uh, some of these individuals have been walking with Jesus like a very long time. Some of them, like their entire life, raised in, in Christian homes, but just being kind of obedient in baptism today, uh, submitting to kind of our, our mode of baptism for membership for some of them. But some of them are brand new believers, like very recent believers in Christ. Very recent transformations have taken place, and that's exciting as well. For all of them, this is an outward expression of what Jesus has done inwardly in their life already. So we want to celebrate with our friends. We want to celebrate Jesus today. But as you hear these testimonies, I want to kind of encourage a few of you from different places today how you can kind of be thinking about this. Right? If you're a baptized believer in Christ, I would encourage you as you're listening to these to kind of think on your own baptism a little bit. Right? Think on your own story. How Jesus has worked in your life to rescue you out of sin and death, to make you alive with Christ, to unite you to unite you with, in Christ with his church and all that, right? Remember what he's done in your heart and in your life and, and kind of sort of celebrate that, remember that, and rejoice in that as you rejoice in their story and what Christ has done in their life. If you're a believer who has not yet been baptized, right, you believe in Christ but you haven't been obedient in baptism, may you hear in this kind of an invitation to respond. 
to how you need to respond down the road, to, to, to move forward in that step. That, that you would see what, what this means. It's about Christ, about proclaiming the good news of the gospel, about what he's done in your life, and that you would respond and, and be identified with Christ and the church publicly in baptism. We'd be happy to talk with you about that. Um, and if you're here today, you're not a believer, right? You're not a believer. Can I just say thank you for coming? Right? Thank you for being here. I pray that you would feel welcome here to be a part of this family, to journey with us in everything that we do. Uh, to be a part of community groups, to be a part of serving the city, to be a part of anything and everything we do. We love to get to know you, to walk with you in that. But I also just want to encourage you as you hear these testimonies today, I pray that you would hear the good news of the gospel. That you would hear the good news of, of Christ's work for you. That Jesus came to live the life you never could, to die the death that you deserve for your sins, to reconcile you to God, to reconcile you into a larger community of faith, a larger family, and and to welcome you in. And I pray that you would hear in that an invitation to respond to the gospel, to put your faith in Jesus today.